0: Powered through the Alaska Airlines studios. This, this is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Sports, streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go
1: now. We're gonna connect in just a minute with Jordan Schusterman. Before we get to that, we're gonna stick with the Mariners, and I have uh, a bit of sound. Oh, just kidding. We got Jordan here, Yahoo Sports. Jordan Schusterman joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Hey, Jordan, how's it going?
2: I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to, to talk some baseball.
1: We are happy to have you. And uh, we're going to start with the Mariners though. We have some questions, obviously uh, league wide, but um, I'll, I'll start with uh, with just a familiar face being back here and that's Mitch Haniger. And it's been a really, really interesting road for him. Having been an all-star in Seattle, constantly dealing with injuries uh, that kind of have derailed his potential, obviously, you know, leaving and then coming back via trade. Um, when you look at Seattle's lineup, some of the pieces they added, that's one that I look at is where there's a lot of potential. But it feels like there's a lot of if this happens then for the Mariners lineup. How do you see it though?
2: Yeah, I think that's a fair, a fair characterization. I, I will say having having stopped by Mariners Camp for a couple of days, I, I was in spring training down in Arizona for a week and, and I did stop by Peoria and and got to talk to Mitch a little bit, and and yeah, I think I think that there's there's fair amount of kind of hesitancy to just pencil in you know the best version of Mitch Haniger for 150 games, but I can also understand why he's optimistic and the team is optimistic that even if they can get a, a really strong 120 games out of him, that would be a really positive outcome. Uh, I, I think that it is, and, and and it helps that of course he is a familiar face. He is someone that that the fan base is certainly going to rally around. He is in a place that he's comfortable. And so I think, you know, I think the questions around Mitch's, you know, durability and, and health, some of which are fair, some of which are unfair. He's obviously had a lot of fluke injuries, um, but ultimately, you know, the number of games he plays, the number of games he play. And he's only had so many, you know, full seasons in his career as a full time big leaguer. So we're all written for him, of course. But uh, I, I, I see the upside and I also understand the concern.
3: During the last time we saw Castillo, final two starts of 2023 against Houston and um, and Texas. Nine runs, six walks, 13 hits. Five of those hits were for extra bases. Yesterday, we see him go two innings, one walk, one strikeout. Reached 96 miles per hour with his four seam. Why does that scare me? Am I am I overreacting? I go, look, man, calm down. You don't have to throw the juice right now. Um, am I overreacting? But what does that tell you about where he is mentally and physically?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. I think it's something I think about every spring training. And, and certainly over the last... You know, however long since pitching injuries have just kind of skyrocketed, it's like I don't I don't need you to throw a ninety six in February. I think that is a totally natural reaction. But it was funny because if if I saw correctly, Castillo's takeaway was this is, this is great. This means I'm feeling as good as I've ever felt. And I think that there, there could be truth to both those things. So I think, again, though, what you referenced at the end of last season, I think what was so disappointing about how Castillo's season ended is how consistent he was. He mm-hmm. was arguably the most consistent starting pitcher in Major League Baseball. He had gone, I believe, five innings in every single start until that final start um, in Game 161. And that's what was so shocking and disappointing about that. But it is also a reminder of, of what he is and what he offers, and when he is healthy. He is one of the best starting pitchers in the league, and I think that that is something that we should still be extremely excited about, and, and there is rightful, you know, hype about the the George Kirby's and Logan Gilberts, and of course that next wave with Bryce Miller and Brian Wu. But Luis Castillo' standard that he set is is should not be forgotten about either, and there's a lot of reasons to be excited about him.
1: The Mariners' off season vibe, if you will, Jordan, was in a much different place several months ago. Like there was the 54 percent comment that was there was watching them shed salary. There was the news about the regional sports network issues and and needing to cut that payroll and a ton of fan frustration rightfully earned and anger and fear we were hearing players kind of you know talking with um you know other shows and podcasts ex-mariners that is uh kind of saying like basically i feel bad um and it was just it's it's weird to think about where the feelings were compared to a lineup that like i'm pretty cool with right now obviously i still have questions but what do you make of where they've managed to get to in terms of maybe some of the optimism you feel for them
2: yeah, I think that the thing I just keep coming back to is no matter how they managed to and it ended up being a lot more dramatic and <laughs> tumultuous, as I think we expected. But it does seem clear that that from the outset, they were committed to keeping the pitching together. And I think no matter how they decided to, to redesign the lineup, it was always going to be about can we have one of the best pitching staffs? Uh, in the league, and I think the way that things shape up now, and, and you consider the fact that they even added to it with a guy like Gregory Santos, I think they see the the roster as as a as as the the most obvious path forward to contention um, in the division and, and beyond is is to have an elite pitching staff. And so, while we were so focused on you know creating our fake trades, you know trading from that pitching depth. It's very clear that they and they did in in some respects, you know, in dealing a guy like Justin Topa, I think that that's something that is a great example of of turning a a, a former acquisition who they didn't got for very much. Justin Topa and turning that into a major piece for Jorge Polanco. That is a big credit to the front office as well. But to your point about the lineup, I think it is back in a place where you could argue whether it is definitively better than where it was a year ago. But I think that it's at very least back on par and, you know, has changed kind of the flavors of what they're looking for in their hitters. And when you keep the picture together and you kind of project some of the steps forward with guys like Miller and Wu, and there is, that's why I think there there's reason for a lot of optimism there.
3: There've been some moves made over the years that, um, that rub this Mariners clubhouse the wrong way, right? You get rid of Seawald, a uh, Graveman a couple years ago, I, I would say Gino, this off season, right guys that, um, that were beloved in the clubhouse. And I felt that, Service had to do something about this when it comes to the mental of this team, and he does right. He flies to the Dominican to hang out with Castillo. He goes down to Kent. He goes to Florida to see Julio. Is this typical of a of a manager? Have you seen this go down before? And and what do you think of this approach by Service?
2: Yeah, I w- I wouldn't say it's necessarily super unique, but I I do appreciate you know how proactive he you know Service was for this because yeah, it's it's a clear acknowledgement that even not that they, as you mentioned, there have been some examples, you know, before in the season, but I think particularly in the off season when the players and the fans are of course, just left kind of out wondering like what the heck's going on. Um, there's not as much of that direct line. I think that that Scott clearly saw that it was important to, to make that effort and, and, and credit to him. And I think he, he clearly picked the right guys to it. And I think that you can tell by the guys that they kind of, the way that the players have talked about it so far this spring. But I still think that the the most important part, no matter what, was the fact that they made enough moves by the end, talking about that Polanco move, that Santos move, of course, bringing back Mitch That is still the most important part of why players, I think, are excited and confident. Uh, but but no, I, I think credit to him. And, and it definitely shows a lot about a little bit more cohesion and, and being on the same page in terms of the organizational leadership, in terms of the actual players.
1: How entrenched in the Cy Young conversation do you think Kirby can be this year? Like, yeah, what's that kind a great, of ceiling? Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, I know it's a, it's a fair question, and I've gone I've gone back and forth again. That you know, Mariners fans are, are quite spoiled with with all these options because Kirby has become this this kind of this kind of popular pick, not just a, among Seattle fans, but uh, it's I, I get it. You know, he's when you have someone that is that is going to dominate the zone to that degree. I mean, the argument that I've kind of made about Kirby is that if you're throwing that many strikes, you're kind of leaving things a little bit up more to your defense and to just bad ball luck than you are if you are, say, someone that strikes out 12 or 13 guys per nine. Honestly, I mean, think about who just won the Cy Young, right? Like Blake Snell leads the league in walks. And that's because nobody's ever hitting his stuff or he's walking guys. And then ultimately he had a, a fortunate year in terms of batted balls and in terms of you know how he kind of clustered his his runs allowed. And so he ends up with a crazy low ERA. Do I think that Kirby can unlock more swing and miss? Yes, I do, because the ways that he's has has chosen to, to show us uh what he's able to to kind of how he can develop within a season within a start tells me that there is probably another level for swing and miss in there. Otherwise, I think he's more just going to be an incredible workhorse at the top-of-the-line strike thrower the way that we have seen with Gilbert and even a guy like Castillo at this point.
3: Jordan, I'm going to go outside of the Mariners. Uh, Cody Bellinger signs a deal with the Cubs. Not what he was expecting, right? People were expecting about 150, million, $200 million deal. Um, has a bounce-back year in 2023. It seems like teams just didn't believe in the bounce-back year. Was there anything that you saw in his performance that made this $80 million deal um, worthy, or do you feel like – um, the circumstances are, or what was just behind that that drop when it comes to um, his expected pay?
2: Yeah, I think he is truly one of the strangest free agents we've had in in a long time. I think. You know, of course, coming off a great season, but it was it was how he did it. It was not it was not a bounce back. I know he won comeback player of the year, but it was it was a complete, you know, reinvention of himself as a hitter, which I think you can give him a lot of credit for. And you can say that's extremely impressive that suddenly he's someone that is trading in, you know, some power for for a lot more contact, a lot more, a lot fewer strikeouts, way more success against left handed pitching. He's become a more complete hitter but because we've only seen that version of him for one year, it's not surprising to me that the cubs were the team that were most comfortable, you know, giving him 30 million a year. I think it would almost no matter what, it was very hard to imagine him landing a super duper long deal from anybody and clearly the cubs valued him that way. But I, I can't wait to say, again, he still has opt-outs again after these next couple of years, so he could try again next year. But at the same time, it's, it's been clear in this market that the teams maybe don't necessarily value these top-end free agents in the same way that we would assume that they would be commanding, you know, $150, $200 million deals in free agency.
1: Jordan, like my co-host Michael Bumpus, I also am stepping out of Seattle, but I would like to talk about Pants
2: um, <laughs> oh, oh, of course we have to. <laughs> this
1: became the biggest off-season story in such a serious way. Like at first, we all thought, "Oh, how funny!" Uh, but then we all became actually livid and kind of like laughing maniacally at how ridiculous mm-hmm. all of this was. I mean, what does the league do? Uh, like, we have people texting in convinced uh, that it's like a conspiracy theory for them to roll out better uniforms that then everyone will love. Like, what uh, is this actually? As big of a deal uh, as we're all making it to be, like, are you actually horrified by how uh, like horrible these are?
2: Yeah, I I honestly have you gone back of, and forth kind on this. Of am? <laughs> no, I've I've gone back and forth on this uh, pretty much every day since yeah. we started talking about this. And you know, we we just brought our podcast back at Yahoo, and we had to lead with it because, again, to your point, it's not just you; like, everyone wants to talk about this all the time. I just want to immediately pivot to the news we got today. Uh, some great reporting from Paul Lucas over at UniWatch about how the Royals have basically decided, like, they basically petitioned petition league to be like, hey, actually, it's really important for us to keep the letters on the names uh, bigger. Yeah. And they just let them do it. So so I don't really, that that story tells me that, like. That that almost exposes the absurdity of all of this, which is that, like, they probably can fix certain things about this if they really want to or if certain teams request or demand it. And so that leads me to believe that there actually is probably a way that th- this can change before opening day. But all of it is, is patently ridiculous. And I, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's a, it's a conspiracy to, to set the standards so low and then bring them back up. No, I just think... That this is a mess. And when you have new manufacturers, again, the league's had issues with this in terms of the baseball. So does not doesn't super shock me. This is also maybe an issue in terms of the uniforms. But of course, that is it is much more obvious when you turn on a game and you see, you know, the the small letters or, or kind of the patches that don't look quite as nice as they used to. So I understand why, why fans and players are upset. I hope we're not still talking about it come opening day. But unfortunately, I
3: wouldn't be surprised if we are. I was uh, one of the crazy ones out here who was hoping for Otani. You know, dang well, Otani coming to Seattle. But I'm sitting here just, just, uh just leaving hope there, right? So now I look at this roster and I go, all right, what's the deal with third base? Uh, you still got Chapman out there. Do you feel like the Hawks should make a go at him? Um, if not, if you you stick with your eyes in the platoon over there, how do you feel about that situation?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I. At the beginning of the offseason, when third, especially after they traded Gino, I was like, OK, this would be kind of strange to just swap out Gino for Chapman. Um, but now when you consider the other moves that they've made, because as far as I'm concerned, Polanco was really the replacement for, for Gino. And I think you could argue reasonably that that's a, a decent upgrade. Uh, but now Chapman really fits quite well. Now again, we have no idea what his demands are at this point, but that is a move now where he if he was your one big move of the winter and you didn't change much else, I think that would be a little bit concerning. But I think now you could bring him in and he's someone in the lineup that fits more in that five six seven range rather than that two three, four range. Now it's a piece that when you consider the defense that he's bringing, I mean, I don't, I don't hate the plan to platoon Rojas and Arias. But again, if you're if you want to be if you want to act like what Cal Raleigh was saying at the end of last season and you want to spend some money, go out and get some of the big guys. Matt Chapman qualifies as that. I know some Mariners fans think he's super overrated, but I don't really see an argument that that he would not make this team better. I really don't. So. I don't think it's a must I think the roster's in a good place, but considering the fact that he's still out there and he fits as well with Seattle as he does with almost any other team, like, sure. I think it would be a great idea.
1: Make sure you listen to more from Jordan along with his co-host, Jake Mintz on the baseball Barbie cast. I love this podcast. I'm not just saying it because you're a guest. Uh, Absolutely subscribe to it. And you can also watch it now on Yahoo sports YouTube's channel. Uh, Speaking of that, Jordan, uh, I saw you uh, on a still of this wearing a rocket city trash pandas hat. And Uh. I have a, I could use some advice.
3: So, oh, just yeah. very
1: quickly before I let you go, so yeah. I posted around Christmas um, this story on Twitter about this raccoon that my parents kind of like adopted.
2: Yes, yeah, I saw <laughs> so this. Red. Oh my gosh, this was incredible. <laughs> Thank okay, you. yes, okay. continue. Sorry. So, yes. so they've
1: made him like a bed essentially on their patio. It's disgusting. I don't encourage it. I don't condone it. But I'm letting them do what they want because sometimes you can't control who people love. You know what I mean? And, um, and so the Rocket City Trash Pandas reached out and they were like, can we send your parents some gear? And I was like, of course, they would love it. So they sent some stuff and I told my mom, hey, why don't you put one of the T-shirts they sent out there so that you can take a picture of little Rick like laying on the T-shirt? How cute would that be? She's like, great. So she puts the T-shirt out. It's gone. Do I tell them?
2: <laughs> Ooh, okay. Do I tell them Great. like
1: Little Rick might have ripped up this shirt? Maybe he took it to the neighbor's house because he recently, uh, when when the Christmas lights were still up, he ripped the neighbor's Christmas lights off and brought them over to our patio. So he's very destructive. I think he might have ripped this shirt up and buried it. Do I tell them? They might like it, right? I don't know. What do I yeah. do? Yeah.
2: With considering my interactions with uh, the trash pandas, I think they would send you five hundred more if you ask nicely. it's <laughs> like, gonna be like, I think he buried is,
1: your shirt.
2: I think that they would happily be a part of this story, whether or not Little Rick took it and did whatever with it. Like. I don't think you should have any reservation in being okay. totally <laughs> transparent about this. Whether or not it will land you another shirt, or whether it's worth asking for another shirt, if if the little Rick's just going to take it again, I, that's up to you. You know, that's that's exactly. for you to decide. But I would say that knowing the Trash Pandas, they will they are they would love to be a, a continuous character. And I don't mean this in a bad way. Yeah. Uh, in in this story, okay. this incredible story that I'm so glad you reminded me is somehow still happening. I'm glad amazing. to
1: have the insight because I was like, what if they kind of like this like what if they kind of like that one of their own that being another trash panda Mm -hmm. completely trashed a gift (laughs)
2: like
1: maybe they'll think it's cute you know that he completely disrespected it
2: to to come up with some other creative solution (laughs) maybe a gift that would be more likely to you know be to facilitate some sort of photo shoot with little rick like i I would not put it past him to come up with an even oh. uh, an improved uh, gift.
1: I love it. I'll let them know. Okay, he is Jordan Schusterman, you guys. Jordan, thanks so much. We appreciate it, man. Thanks,
2: Jordan. Thank you both. Always a pleasure.
1: All right, let's get to a quick four-down territory.
0: This, this is four-down territory. Going inside, inside the, the game. game. What former Seahawks and Coug Michael wide receiver Bumpus. Michael Bumpus.
1: What is this first down? <laughs> this is a golf question it's a golf for four-downs. Oh, my yeah, God. I Liv Tor to. Golfer need to. for the first down for four-down territory of football SEC. Segment. live tour golfer taylor gooch says that if rory wins the masters it will have an asterisk yeah agree or disagree yeah
3: tripping first off i know who the dang mariners are made a mistake and said chapman to the hawks oh, it gracious oh whatever people
1: i miss i call um kirby smart doing, george man? kirby we all the don't time Know what you're talking about like it is canon in my mind george kirby yeah
3: relax folks don't worry about okay. it okay cross your t's dot your eyes all <laughs> right Gucci, I'm going golf, man, because I saw this and I go, oh, we're not going to get to it. Let me get to it. Gucci is talking stuff. He goes, look, if uh, if the Live Tour players can't get into the Masters, then there should be an asterisk there. And I go, man, just shut your mouth, dog. You made $36 million off, the, off of Live. You decide to go to Live. He competed in three majors last year, missed the cut on two of them. Now, the players who went to Live, that's your prerogative. You do what you have to do. But you went and you chased the money. I'm not mad at you, but you can't chase the money then sit there and try to hate on Rory because he could do something that you will never be able to do just stop counting somebody's pockets. stop looking over your shoulder and trying to see what someone else is doing i'm just saying man just chill let rory do his thing you left no one told you to leave you left. You got to deal with those consequences. I don't want to hear that. You made thirty-six million dollars next year, last year. Don't Taylor. Just do your thing, dog.
1: I like the the right now two rules of our show being Curtis. The number one rule of the show, as you know, is
3: do it for the cloud. Exactly.
1: New number two rule of the show: don't watch pockets. Don't
3: watch pockets. Don't watch That's other right. people's pockets. Or grand slams. Or majors. Don't Go do win it. your live tour major or whatever <laughs> the heck they got going over there.
1: Two rules of the show. Second down. <laughs> Cardinals did something that highlights the personality of their quarterback, though some question it. Why do you feel it's necessary?
3: It's sad that it's necessary, too. They tweeted out our franchise quarterback and had a picture of Kyler Murray. Um, Obviously, they have a high pick in the draft this year. And it's almost like they did this because they knew Kyler Murray might feel some type of way. They got to make sure that his ego was fine. And it's necessary because if you know anything about Kyler Murray, he has a big ego. He's concerned about stuff like that. And it's sad at the same time because I'm like, look, man, you shouldn't have to go out of your way, put out a tweet to reassure your quarterback that he's fine. Your head coach should just call him on the side and be like, hey, we're good. Getting ready for next year. Um, this is what we're thinking with this number, whatever pick that we have going. So, uh, no, nah, man, it's uh, it's necessary in today's climate and especially with a guy like Kyler Murray because we know that he can be a bit emotional and he might need that reassurance. But what does a good org- organization do? You make sure you guys that you're going to count on are good. That's why service flies to the Dominican and Florida and Kent and do all that good stuff. That's why the Arizona Cardinals felt like they had to let the world know Kyler Murray is still their number one quarterback. Mm -hmm. It's necessary. It's true. It's sad at the same time.
1: Third down. What's a business move you understand about the NFL but feel that it's ethically wrong? It's
3: wrong. It's wrong how they're doing these dang running backs. Derrick Henry not getting a franchise tag. Josh Jacobs not getting a franchise tag. Um, you got Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. And what they're going to do is they're going to lowball these dudes. They're going to say, look, we're going to give you like seven, eight million dollars a year. We'll put you on a one-year deal. Maybe a two-year deal. And the reason why I feel like it's ethically wrong is because they carry the, they touch the football as runners the most. Now, quarterbacks will draw back and throw the ball a bunch of times in their career and throughout their season, but they're not sitting there running the football having 11 guys get after them. All right, It's a dangerous job as a quarterback there's nothing like a running back Mm -hmm. the most touches in NFL history I'm looking at the top 20 guys they are all running backs Emmitt Smith 4,924 touches 4,330 touches for Walter Payton. I'm just saying, these guys have the football in their hand the most when you can be tackled. Everybody's trying to take their head off. I understand these guys get banged up, but there has to be something eventually that says, look, we got to protect these dudes and uh, and raise their minimum or something because it's shameful what guys like Henry and Saquon and the rest of these guys are going to have to go through.
1: Fourth down. It's still a shame that Derrick Henry didn't get MVP that year for 2K. That's still wild to me. Who did win? Was that Lamar? I
2: think it was maybe Mahomes.
1: Oh, okay. That was this 51 touchdowns?
3: Yeah.
1: I mean, I digress. A I stand worthy, corrected. A worthy
3: winner.
1: <laughs> What's a quote from a coach that would force a player to pack his bags?
3: I mean, we are, if I'm Desmond Ritter, I already broke the lease. Ooh. I've already, you know, look, um, look, I'm about to be out of here. But when your head coach, your new head coach says, I might not be here if Falcons got better QB play last year. You know it's a wrap. And I think Desmond Ritter already knew it was a wrap. But uh, when your head coach is making this public, uh, go ahead and pack your stuff, bro. Go ahead and uh, get your movers ready. And it's unfortunate. But what is fortunate is that you're going to get another chance in this league, whether it's a backup or maybe a starter somewhere. But for your head coach to come out and say that, rhymes on the wall, clear as day. Sorry, Ritter. Uh, Russell Wilson will be in the ATL next year.
1: <laughs> Let's hope so. You're listening to bump and Stacy on Seattle sports and the Seattle sports app, the latest and craziest NIL deal yet coming up next.
0: This is the timeline with bump and Stacy brought to you by one 800 DUI Away.
1: We are starting with the latest and craziest NIL deal in the timeline, a segment in which we look around to see what's trending in sports this week. Um, in the latest crazy NIL deal, Ole Miss quarterback Jackson Dart, by the way, what a name for a quarterback. Yeah, for sure. Jackson.
0: Just throwing darts,
1: Dart. baby. Just throwing uh, things. He is signed with a private jet company. You know, it seems like it's just like, just a very.
2: Almost has that, uh, that blind side e. NIL <laughs> money. That's the exactly Tui
1: family. He's going to get access to Nicholas Ayers' fleet of jets for travel, training, and philanthropy.
3: Philanthropy, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Great, great by him. Good for him. You know, you got a a deal. Here's my thing: is that if you are the quarterback of a university, you probably shouldn't be traveling too much, right? Make mm-hmm. sure your grades are on point. Uh, training, you should probably be training with your teammates, not flying across the country. Now, I think it, it's nice for his family for vacations or whatnot, and uh, and good for him. And I, I saw this story, and the first thing I thought about was like, all right, man, how just how to regulate this? Like, can we can we put incentives on NILs? Like, look, you got to complete 65% of your passes this year, which he did. You got to throw for over 20 touchdowns, which he did. Mm-hmm. I'm saying this guy is going to be a baller. He was supposed to be next up at SC, but then he transfers over to Ole Miss. Dude is going to be the best quarterback in the SEC next year. Um, and good for him for getting that jet deal. Just when I hear all this stuff, I try to um, try to figure out how to regulate this type of thing, man. Put incentives to your contracts, put incentives on that thing. And uh, yeah, but good for him, though, man. Where to get that jet.
1: <laughs> Next story here is a very interesting one. In a since-deleted tweet, LeBron James took exception to a recent ESPA and ESPN NBA mock draft. Excuse me, um, That mock draft did not have LeBron's son, Bronny James, as a first-round pick. LeBron said, quote, Can y'all just please let the kid be a kid and enjoy college basketball? The work and results will ultimately do the talking no matter what he decides to do. If y'all don't know, he doesn't care what a mock draft says. He just, all caps, WORKS earned not given Stephen a smith has since responded to lebron's tweet on first take
0: any attention that he's warranted has been because of his daddy i want to play with my son mm-hmm. i want to stay here until my son gets to the nba mm-hmm. we've seen interviews with savannah and lebron and they were asked about Bronny. what does she say i just want my my son to be healthy and happy right. lebron i want to be in the nba uh, <laughs> that's what we want It's not a crime in that. No. No crime in that whatsoever. You can want that. But when you're LeBron James and you put the word out that you want to be with him and you put the word out that you want to play with him and you put the word out that you'll be willing to go to any NBA team that picks him up, knowing the power of LeBron James, how influential he can be, now you got to wonder what team would draft Bronny James just so they could get LeBron James at age 40 or 41, right? Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, and the, the sheer fact that that question would be asked brings in the question, the legitimacy of Bronny, because now you've got people looking at LeBron James and wondering what kind of influence he will wield to manipulate his son landing in the NBA.
1: Bumps over here nodding along.
3: LeBron says, can y'all please just let the kid be a kid and enjoy college basketball? No. Why? Because he's high profile. This is what happens to high profile athletes, especially high profile athletes who are, he's developing only averaging five points per game, who came in with a lot of hype and people thought that he was going to make the jump next year. LeBron, you can't ask for the for all the spotlight and talk about your kid. And then when your kid gets the attention mm-hmm. that... He probably deserves because he's your son. Then say, Oh, get off of him. This is the world that we live in today. If you are high profile, the young lady over there at LSU, mm-hmm. um, young lady Angels. in Iowa, uh, Caitlin, um, you got yeah. it, this is just what happened young yep. lady at Utah. And yep. I'm, yeah, this is what happens, especially when you have one of the biggest NIL deals. They're saying this young man's gonna make like four million dollars next year in NIL deals. High profile athletes get this type of attention, especially when their daddy is one of the greatest to play the game and says he wants to play until his son gets into the NBA and your son is not having an NBA type of year. It, it comes with the territory.
1: Yeah, that comes with the territory thing is sometimes a thing I push back on and sometimes a thing I really understand. I've had to learn to have thicker skin working in this job, which is like the tiniest level of forward-facing. You know what I mean? Like, I told my sister one time, I did something embarrassing. Um, Like, I like... uh, got sick and I had food poisoning, but like at a place and it was public. And I was like, Oh my God, what if someone saw me? And she laughed at my face. She was like, you're ridiculous. <laughs> like that you think anyone would recognize you as my, but you're kind of in this in between where you go, does this person think I'm an idiot? Does this person know me and hate me? Like, does this, like, it's a very weird feeling. Uh, and so I've sometimes pushed back on like, no, it doesn't come with the territory. You can think whatever you want about it being unfair. Um, But the truth is, as much as I don't like to admit it, no matter what you do, you should have thick skin and you should be able to understand, uh, and you meaning also me, that sometimes people are going to have opinions about you or talk about you or do whatever. And that is, (laughs) that is a thousand, a million fold over when you're LeBron James, one of the most famous people on the planet. And also sometimes there's just a nature to sports, right? Like there's mock drafts every year. There are articles and recaps and things written like you as a player can't get upset if um, you know you allow uh, yourself to be burned for a touchdown or you know you lose uh, a you know um, you know what could have been a pick or whatever and someone says oh man what a you know kind of a disappointing game for that guy you can't get mad about it you can't because you 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 love just as much the good attention.
3: Um. One, let me tell you that uh, you did go to Target on your day off, and someone saw you in Texas the show. That's true. That's the most famous. That is the most famous saying. I've ever
1: felt in my entire life. When go. at Target, mm-hmm. someone was like, "I saw Stacy Ross here. Do I say something?"
3: I told him to leave you alone. Curtis said to go up and say something. You absolutely. To you.
1: you should have asked for an autograph.
3: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
1: <laughs> but also, I think that day it was like I was supposed to be in Vancouver and hadn't left yet, so I was like, oh, I feel like it's like a snitch. <laughs> Either way, but um. Like, you can't like the good stuff and then complain about a mock draft.
3: LeBron's been dealing with this type of uh, fame his whole life. They say new. Just no. help him navigate through this instead of going to Twitter and complaining. Come on, Bron. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Let's see, do we have time? Yeah, we have time to keep going here. Uh, Shannon Sharp uh, had some very direct words for Richard Sherman, who, as y'all know, was uh, arrested for a DUI the other day.
0: But what I don't understand is that Sherm has been in this situation before for him to put himself back in harm's way because you do realize this isn't about you because once you become, you inebriated and you become behind the wheel, you bring everybody else that's on the road, you bring them to the equation. Now you, hey, he got stopped. Luckily, no one got hurt. But how many times? We just saw a guy get, what, 12, 13 years in Henry Rose. Yeah. Lady lost her life. He lost his career. And, and Sherm had just gone through this in yeah. 21, not even two years ago. Man.
3: Hey, here's the thing, man. Whenever you're at a, a casino having a good time, sound like that's where he was at the craps table, right? Um you're you're drinking or whatnot. You make you make the decision to drive. The thing about this situation is, he's Richard Sherman. You think eyes aren't on you while you're playing your game, whether it be poker, Crabs twenty-one. I'm sure he's he has a big personality. He's loud. People are recognizing him. They are watching you leave. I guarantee you, there were hundreds of people who left that casino mm-hmm. last night mm-hmm. or that night who had a bit too much to drink, but they ain't Richard Sherman. They don't have the eyes on them the way that he does. So for him to go through that stuff that he went through a couple years ago and then to do this is unfortunate. And uh, and people make mistakes. I'm not making excuses for him. Obviously, um, he has a record of this stuff. So, um, man, he's Sherm, though. You know, you got to know eyes are on you. You got to move different. I tell my, my son who's 13 years old who ain't nothing like Richard Sherman or who knows what he'll be in life, I tell him, you can't move like everybody else. You got to move different. And mm-hmm. I think Sherm knows that. He just made a bad decision.
1: Last story in the timeline. Is a fun one. Cincinnati Reds minor leaguer Matt Nelson struck out yesterday during a Mariners game while our own Matt Nelson was in studio for the game.
2: And here comes Matt Nelson, the catcher. Garrett Hill with you alongside Rick Riz, Matt Nelson on our Seattle Studios, and Matt Nelson batting. <laughs> Matt Nelson looking to break up the no hitter the Mariners have going.
1: Repeating Matt Nelson. So,
2: well ahead. No balls. Two strikes. The bearded, burly righty. Ball behind his back. Now set. Delivers. Swaying and a miss. One, two, three. Down goes Matt Nelson on strikes. <laughs> <laughs> ah!
1: I know that they loved saying oh, it, man. too. They loved saying that.
2: I heard my name at least 10 times. Which
1: they did intentionally. It was so amazing knowing that you could hear them. Oh, they
2: did. They did. <laughs> it was so much You're fun. You're
1: listening to and <laughs> Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. We're going to get uh, in a couple minutes uh, to a potential draft pick for the Seattle Seahawks by having a guest on who knows that pick well. And this could very well change the course of this franchise. Don't go anywhere.
0: Bumpin' Stacy, powered through the Alaska Airlines studios on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael
1: Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Talking about the draft coming up in 15 minutes with the Athletics Michigan reporter Austin Meek. We're curious to know what he thinks about JJ McCarthy as an option at 16 for Seattle before we get to it, though. The Mariners' plan for 2024 was in front of us the whole time. Now, part of the plan that we didn't probably neither did the front office see coming was a pulling back of the funds, a tightening of the purse strings Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, because that kind of happened over the course of the off season. So I don't know that anyone saw that coming, but in terms of who they want to be, it was right in front of us. We had Jordan Schusterman um, bump on earlier this hour and we asked about like, Hey, what do you think about like where this team was the vibes of this team being really negative negative at the beginning of the offseason, to where they are now in spring training when it's pretty optimistic. They have a pretty decent lineup. They've been able to make some good moves. And he said, quote, it's clear that they were committed to keeping the pitching together. Like, it's clear that their plan is to have the very best pitching, the very best rotation possible. And he said, and they were committed to not dealing from that.
3: And it wasn't a secret, right? Yeah. I feel like we all... This is what they done well. This is what you have to lean on. This is what you got to keep going while adding. I mean, like, the plan A was to make sure that all the arms are healthy. Um, you you pick up a couple of guys. Obviously, you deal with Topa. You got Salcedo to kind of fill in that role there. Um, keeping the band together as far as those arms had to have been priority. And the first um, indication that this was priority was them making moves and keeping Miller and Wu. Moves, Miller, Wu. Bars. Uh, <laughs> but... This is the foundation of the team. Now it's it's weird saying that because we look at the team and we go, no, the foundation is Julio, it's JP, it's Cal, um, it's friends. That's that's the foundation. Go, yeah. When 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 you look at the lineup and and you're looking at guys you got to rely on for sure. But the most consistent part of this team the past couple of seasons have been the rotation in that bullpen. So. Yeah, this team talks about what they want to add when it comes to power. Maybe just contact. They've switched up their 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 messaging this year. Last year, power, 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 mm-hmm, power. Mm-hmm. This year, I don't even think they're hinting towards power or contact. We're just looking at the moves and saying, all right, you're trying to put the ball in play and work from there, which I think we all agree with. Power is going to come when you have Julio and mm-hmm, Cal and mm-hmm. those guys. But the thing that they're going to lean on is their pitching. And when you have Castillo, when you have – Uh, Kirby, you got Gilbert, you got the youngsters, Willwin Miller. Um, That's the right approach, man. And I think... um that's why I was excited to see Castillo kind of come out hot the way that he has, even though I'm like concerned, like don't throw too hard, man. Like I get you, you're amped up. You feel good. You don't have to throw it that hard, but I like it because you know that he's going to have to carry this team. He's going to have to put together uh, a couple of shout outs. He's going to have to, um, be the guy that we saw for the majority of the season and, and lead this team. So yeah, the plan has always been in front of us. I think, um, we just been looking at like the icing and the sprinkles and the candles on the cake, right? We, we already know what what type of cake is going to be, man. These, this pitching staff is going to hold this team down. Other ingredients got to step up. All
1: right. Well, there's one name that's standing out. Obviously Kirby uh, is pitching today. Um, that game is going to be tape delayed. And uh, obviously Castillo was yesterday that uh, it was a great day for pitching overall. We're going to see Logan tomorrow, but Bryce Miller, really standing out well I think you've, you've seen that started to happen probably a little bit in last spring training um, and Robbie Ray had a lot to do with that you know he's no longer here but just like taking interest in your teammate and what he's doing and maybe you see something you can pass along or maybe you pick up something from him and you know it's it's funny you say that with Bryce out there and if you get a chance to be around Bryce Miller he's kind of a magnet people you know gravitate towards him because of his personality and it's really unique for a young player like that that he can reach so many different facets of our clubhouse you know the the different pockets of guys based on that. he's just He's uh, authentic. He is big Tex for a reason. It's Texas through and through, and you see it come out every day. I love it. I love uh, having him stop in my office. Every day he's got something crazy. Yeah, signed up today, Skip. I'm going to pitch. Okay, (laughs) you're in there. Go get him. I love having specific names to be really excited about heading into the season, and Bryce Miller is one of them for me. Like I think George Kirby is someone where we're like, can he be a serious Cy Young candidate this year? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the ceiling we're looking at for him. Imagine having a great year from Castillo, a Cy Young kind of year from Kirby, Logan Gilbert still on the mound doing his thing, and then you have continued development from Bryce Miller. I mean, think of your rotation.
3: This isn't considered one of the best staffs in the game because of Castillo. It's because of Castillo, because of Kirby, because of Gilbert, because of Wu, because of Miller, because of that bullpen. It's a collective effort. You got to have your ace or guy that you can depend on. But, yeah, when you have young guys who have shown you last year that they can handle this moment, they can handle being in the bigs, and then you hear about uh, them adding a new pitch, Uh, And then there's the the maturation that comes with time in general. I look at a guy like Miller, and I guarantee you, Stacey, there's going to be a time where he doesn't walk around with his glove on his head. Guaranteed, right? That's kind of his thing. Oh, he's so relaxed, glove on his head. And I'm not saying he he should stop doing that, but when you see little habits start to change and you figure out who you are and who you want to be – you carry yourself differently. You prepare differently, and that's what I'm excited to see. That's why I love sports, man. And I love dealing with um, with younger players because they're the ones who can take the bigger leaps and bounds. The older guys are tweaking things here and there. The mm-hmm. young guys are like, "I'm at a splitter, man. What you doing this this off season? You know uh, what Kirby said? I might throw the knuckle this this uh, this year. What are you doing? So that that's what's uh, that's what's fun to watch. And it's fun that we're here in service kind of share the same excitement about these young guys that we have.
1: Two big things have changed since Washington faced off against Michigan in the national championship game. Number one, J.J. McCarthy became a very real possibility for the Seahawks at number 16. And number two, a former Michigan defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, is now head coach of the Seahawks. We're going to talk with Austin Meek about both of those coming up next.